Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue of Dearest Ones, the letters that our hero Stanley wrote to his family throughout the war with a second part of a special edition about the aviation pioneer, Glenn L. Martin, the man who made the B-26. This second part of the special edition about Glenn L. Martin focuses on a particular event that happened in 1933, about five years after Martin had moved his manufacturing operation to Middle River, Maryland. As faithful followers of our hero, the Silver King, you know that the Martin family moved from Kansas to Santa Ana, California in 1905 when they bought an apricot ranch. Just before that move, the family had lived in Salina, Kansas, where Glenn Martin had attended Kansas Wesleyan University. Twenty-two years after the Martins had left Salina for Santa Ana, Kansas Wesleyan and its staff had decided to confer a special honor on Martin as a rising and famous American aviation manufacturer. Beneath a banner headline from the university entitled Glenn L. Martin Honored in 1933, the university relates a story that was written in the Selena Journal on Tuesday, February 21st of 1933, entitled A Hometown Boy. It began with Glenn Martin's success is recognized as Wesleyan confers on him an honorary degree at the Founders Day Banquet. The Selena Journal story began this way. A hometown boy who has made good, Glenn L. Martin, head of the aircraft company bearing his name, was the guest of honor at the annual Founders' Day Banquet at Kansas Wesleyan University, held at the First Methodist Church Monday evening. It was one of the largest crowds that has been present at such an event, and many of those present having been boyhood or schoolhood friends of Mr. Martin. Culmination of the affair came with the conferring of the degree of Bachelor of Science upon the guest by President L. B. Bowers of the university, and proudest of all the crowd that had gathered to pay tribute to the achievement of the man who was dreaming and working with plans for airplanes when most people had not yet their first automobile, was Mrs. C. Y. Martin, mother of the newly created Doctor of Science, who was enjoying the greatest satisfaction that carries to any mother, the pleasure of seeing the old hometown crowd give formal and public credit to her son for his achievement. Glenn Martin began, 
In our research laboratory, we are far ahead of the developments in airplanes for the use of war, Mr. Martin said. Much of what is being done cannot be told, for it comes under the head of military information and is zealously guarded. In fact, secret servicemen are stationed all over Baltimore, where the plant is located, to prevent outsiders of getting an idea of what we are doing or the experiments we are conducting. Transportation has been developing rapidly. It took the telegraph and telephone to make the practical, the safe operation of fast trains, and it took the radio to make the airplane a tremendous factor in war preparations. In fact, it is generally conceded that in future wars, the nation with the greatest strength in the air has the most insurmountable advantage. With the bombing planes, we can seek the weakest link on a railroad and destroy it to interfere with movement of supplies and mobilization of troops. Highways can be destroyed that will require months to reconstruct. Power plants can be wrecked so that they are useless unless they can be rebuilt, which also is a matter of months. And if the struggle becomes desperate enough, germs, gas, and bacteria can be released, which will wipe out entire communities. In spite of these destructive uses, the airplane has many constructive advantages. It is being used in map making and a complete topographical map can be assembled by airplane photography that is more available than a map obtained by surveying and is less costly. Dusting growing plants with preventatives to avoid insect pests is another commercial phase that is rapidly developing. While many planes are being used for coast patrol, for ambulance planes, and for many other similar purposes. Right now, we are working on commercial planes that will carry many passengers and that will be as safe as any method of transportation. In fact, safer. Already, many devices are known to make flying more safe, and as the need for them develops, we will be able to solve the problems that we will face. Personally, I believe in disarmament, but I also am convinced that the easiest way to bring that about is to be ready to face any situation that may arise. With aircraft, we can both attack and defend, and the new planes we are building are so constructed that they can fly more than 200 miles per hour. Recently, we have been able to construct a plane that can discharge a horizontal bomb, and that is a great advantage. Here, before bombs have been aimed at the target by diving straight down over the target to be hit and then releasing the bomb, but now we are able to fly straight ahead, thousands of feet in the air, and at the same time aim at the target with almost no misses. Today, we are ahead of other countries in the development of aircraft, but the advantage may not be for long. So for our own protection, it is necessary to continue our experiments and to maintain supremacy in the air for the speed and distances that large planes can fly without refueling makes it imperative that we can both attack and defend against a method of warfare that is more dangerous than any menace we have ever faced. After Glenn Martin's remarks, there were addresses by Bishop Charles L. Meade and Dr. W. J. Davidson. 
They stress the importance of Kansas Wesleyan because of its combination of education at a low cost and its background of religion. The Selena Journal article went on. The first task of modern education is to restore faith in God. And that was Bishop Mead stating a quote in his opening remarks of a speaker he had heard at New York University. Trained youth is responsible for the development of the airplane, he continued, and pointed out the exploits of Charles A. Lindbergh and to the fact that Glenn L. Martin was a student of Kansas Wesleyan. Mead continued, Give these young men and women education with a religious background, and they will carry on the work that has been started and will solve the problems of the present day and of the future in such a way that will be the foundation upon which they build will be permanent. Three months after Glenn Martin's hometown hero's welcome at Kansas Wesleyan University, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, in the first year of his initial term, would present the 1932 Robert J. Collier Trophy to Glenn Martin. The trophy, the highest award for the greatest achievement in aviation each year, was for Martin's design, development, and construction of the B-10 bomber. Built in Middle River, the B-10's success brought Martin and his mother Minta to the St. John's Church near DuPont Circle and the White House in Washington, D.C. on May 31, 1933. That spring day, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said of Glenn L. Martin, and now a legend in aviation design and production, quote, When a man is selected to receive the Collier Trophy for the year's outstanding contribution to aviation, he is receiving, in effect, the thanks of the entire nation as well as the aviation industry. Mrs. Martin, we in America share your pride in the achievement of your son. And six years after that presentation, Time Magazine on May 29th of 1939, in an article called Transport, wrote this about Glenn Martin, quote, to Baltimore, adding designers, draftsmen, withdrawing more and more from designing to administer the business, Martin turned out better and better models in rapid succession. He swapped little information with other manufacturers and became known as a somber lone wolf. From the Cleveland plant came the first plane built specifically for mail service, the first metal American monoplane of which the Navy bought 36, the first bomber with an alloy steel fuselage of which the Navy bought 103. By 1925, it was time to expand again, and this time, Builder Martin decided to have plenty of room. From unsuspecting holders of Tidewater property above Baltimore, options were cautiously obtained by agents who represented themselves as acting for a New York sportsman's club. When they were all in, Glen L. Martin Company had options on 1,243 acres of land and was ready to build a plant. Since then, things have gone a-humming, 
Soon after he moved into the plant, Martin told friends that he had a ship coming off the drawing boards that would revolutionize military aviation. It did. The ship was the Martin B-10, a two-motored monoplane. With a range of 1,800 miles and a bomb load of 2,400 pounds, it could pull away from any pursuit ship, then in the air, at a top speed of 250 miles an hour. The U.S. Army took 151 of them. Glenn Martin was on the cover of that May 29, 1939 Time magazine. And by the end of 1939, Time had named Adolf Hitler its man of the year. This is the end of the second part of the special edition on the history of Glenn L. Martin as an aviation manufacturing giant. And you are listening to The Silver King's War. <laughs>